If you stop and think about everything happening here in the good old U.S. of A., you might believe that there are only two sides to every story. Actually, there are many more sides. At last count, there were over 327 million sides to our American story. On this program, we'll take a look at different stories, from a different point of view. Mine. Hopefully, after listening, absorbing, and actually thinking about what you hear, it might just become your point of view as well. I'm Steve, and this is The Truth Hurts. This is Steve Z and The Truth Hurts program. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. Well, we made it to another Friday, everyone. Friday, June 19th, 2020. This coming Sunday will be Father's Day, a day we set aside each year to honor thy father. It happens to be just less than a month after we set aside a day to honor thy mother. Seems fair. With all the sacrifices that parents make for their children 365 days a year, it only seems appropriate to set aside one day for mom and one day for dad each year to tell them how much they mean to us. My own dad died suddenly of a massive heart attack in 1979, many, many years ago, when I was just a teenage boy. I had a mom with two younger teenage brothers, and mom had one on the way. I guess the stresses of knowing that well over age 40, having a newborn baby was going to be tough, and the stress ended up killing dad. All of this meant that my mom would have to assume the role of both mom and dad. Not an easy task with three young teens in the house and a baby on the way, the loss of dad's income, and a crappy life insurance policy. Mom had to take a full-time job after the baby was just six weeks old, and I did what I could to help with my little part-time job after school. But it was mom who made it happen. Well, we made it to another Friday, everyone. Friday, June 19th, 2020. This coming Sunday will be Father's Day, a day we set aside each year to honor thy father, just less than a month after we set aside a day to honor thy mother. Seems fair. With all the sacrifices that parents make for their children 365 days each year, it seems only just and appropriate to spend one day for mom and one day for dad each year telling them what they mean to us. My own father died suddenly of a massive heart attack in 1979, all those years ago, when I was just a teenage boy. I was left with mom, who had a baby on the way, and two younger teenage brothers. This meant that mom had to assume the role of both mom and dad, which of course was not an easy task with a baby on the way, and three young teenage boys in the house, the loss of dad's income, and a crappy life insurance policy. Mom had to take a full-time job after the baby was six weeks old, and I did what I could to help with my part-time job after school. But it was mom who made it happen. She held the family together, 
and every Saturday night since September 1979, the family still to this day, with a brief hiatus for COVID-19 crap, we all still gather at mom's place when we're in town for a home-cooked family dinner prepared by an almost 81-year-old woman who really knows how to cook. It's more than just food, it's conversation, it's walks down memory lane, it's talking about family, who's doing what and how things are, and of course, politics. Since COVID-19 brought Granny's Night, as we call it, to a hiatus, hopefully only temporarily, we still talk at the respectable distance of about 15 feet or so as Mom sits on the patio aside her house and we speak across the driveway. So, of course, each year on Father's Day, aside from saying a little prayer to keep watch over my dearly departed dad, I call Mom or stop by to wish her a happy Father's Day. I know it's kind of mushy, but it is what it is. Sometimes the truth hurts. We constantly hear of the decline in Western civilization that can directly be attributed to the absence of fathers and father figures in certain segments of our society, primarily in the inner cities. It is in these communities where crime is rampant and respect is non-existent, where the blight of true fatherhood and the absence of real dads is most readily observed. It is in these communities where moms or grandmothers take on the role of trying to rein in unruly children and criminals in training teens under the guise of the false narrative, it takes a village. It is in these blighted, dilapidated hovels where there are little to no two-parent households, where the true result of fatherless families rears its ugly head. It is the place where a certain political party has peddled not only a pittance of monthly handouts in the form of different so-called social programs, but that party has also peddled the lies that cause the true divide in culture between the haves and the have-nots. There are statistics upon statistics upon statistics which prove to the bone that children who grew up without dads are far more likely to fail in society than those who grow up with a dad in the nest. And our favorite political party of pandering, the purveyors of false prophecy, playing politics in the projects, keep lying to the inner city residents, telling them that the little check they get each month is from a loving party who cares for them. Yeah, right cares enough to give them just enough coin to keep them down and keep them right where they are, and then smiles and says, don't forget to vote for us. They lie to the people, telling them that the other party is keeping the payments low because the other party doesn't like you very much. Fathers, or more importantly, dads, are the one difference between poverty and prosperity. Think about it. When mom only has welfare, WIC, aid for dependent children, crazy checks, Section 8 housing, food for families, and other minuscule subsistence program stipends, and cannot 
hold down a full-time job because there are X number of kids to look after, how can anyone expect success or at least a modicum of financial independence for her or for her offspring? Without a second income of dad, who not only provides money but discipline, guidance, and someone else to, for the kids to look up to, without dad, the chances of failure for these kids is almost guaranteed. No father is perfect, not one. But having a dad in the house certainly increases the odds of a successful upbringing, as long as, of course, the dad is connected, law-abiding, and acts as a role model to his children. This is the Truth Hurts program, telling it like it is. I went to a local convenience store earlier this year, just before Mother's Day, to fuel up the bike. I noticed in the parking lot a nice raised pickup truck and a fairly new sports car. Inside was a man paying for a can of soda and a bag of chips, and there was also the cashier. Since I was only paying for two gallons of gasoline, I went straight to the register area behind the man with the pickup truck, and I happened to observe the young lady behind the register. She was about 25 or so, based on her appearance. Slim build, dyed hair with some tattoos on her arm and her neck, and some jewelry. The guy ahead of me paying for his chips and soda told her as he left the register, Have a happy Mother's Day. She snapped back to him, I ain't no mother to no kid. He said, Excuse me, and he left in a huff. I was taken back a bit by this very confused and angry exchange, knowing that A, the man only meant wishing her a happy Mother's Day with the kindest of intentions, and B, why this girl would react in such a vile and vicious way. Without provocation, she looked at me, her next customer, and said, I don't celebrate Mother's Day or Father's Day. I didn't ask to be born. I didn't request to be brought into this messed up world. That, my friends, to say the least, was somewhat disturbing. First, I don't even know this person. Second, why would she go on such a rant, unprovoked? So, as I slid the $20 bill across the counter, she went on to say, Nobody asks to be born. Nobody should be born, especially into a world like this one. Newsflash, this is the only world we have. I took my change and my receipt. Didn't even bother to hit her with any of my classic dad lines like, Come back and see us, or have a nice day. I was so tempted, however, to tell her to have a happy Mother's Day. I was also tempted to begin a long diatribe, a lecture on the propagation of the species and the need to regale her with tales of parental sacrifice or any of a million or so other quips of my own cleverness. But instead, I put on my helmet and rode away thinking, what would make a person so bitter? If you like our opinion, tell a friend. If you don't like our opinion, keep it to yourself. We live in one of the most incredible times in the history of our existence. 
a time with technology that has made our lives so much more comfortable, more convenient than our parents, our grandparents, and our great and great great and great 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 grandparents. All people. What is commonly called poverty these days would be middle class living in the 1960s. For everyone has a phone, and not just a phone attached to a wall with a three foot cord, but a phone which is a computer right in their hands. Even the so called poor have access to free phones provided by some government agency. Everyone is dressed with decent clothing, even the poor kids in the schools. Yet there are young people out there with a chip on their shoulder. They're so out of touch with reality that they cannot appreciate all that we have accomplished as a species. They have no reference point to what it was like before air conditioning in every home, before 140 cable television channels, before the internet. They cannot enjoy life. They cannot experience joy or happiness because some stimuli have crept into their psyche and corrupted their dopamine levels to a point where they exist in a state of constant misery. And it's not like they have it rough. This girl at the convenience store had a phone, a new, nice iPhone with all those cool wireless ear pods. She had tattoos on her body that I'm sure she chose to put there. They weren't forced upon her. She was dressed in decent clothing. She had modest jewelry on. And her hair was dyed. These are luxury items. She apparently drove that fairly nice little sports car, which I would assume had a pretty nice stereo system in it. So why in this day and age was a person with what appeared to be so much not even appreciative of her own parental units enough to offer them a simple happy Father's Day or a happy Mother's Day? Perhaps it's the fact that the youth of today cannot appreciate what they have because they've never had to live without. Without what, you ask? Without having experienced any true hardship, any loss, any poverty, any sickness, any hard work, any tough living conditions, war, or having to even do manual chores or be subjected to any level of discipline. People who never had to live without air conditioning in the South don't appreciate air conditioning. People who live in a society where you literally have hundreds of places to eat and hundreds of different types of food available at very inexpensive prices don't understand the hardships felt by hungry people in third world countries who are lucky enough to be able to eat some form of porridge each day, the same exact meal every day of their lives, and they're thankful to have that to eat. People who have a car don't know what it's like to have to walk five miles to school or work each way each day. While speaking with this young woman, as briefly as our conversation was, I learned some things about her, or at least I'm pretty sure I learned some things about her. She most likely dropped out of college last year, a college that her parents were paying for. 
because probably it was too hard. Or her parents might have been expecting her to finish a four-year degree in four years. She would probably quit this job like she's probably quit many other jobs because she didn't like the smell of the food at a restaurant she might have worked at or she thought people were looking down on her. She works at a convenience store now and her life is crap because things suck and her paycheck sucks and her job sucks and her home life sucks, according to her. Chances are this girl was never told no by her parents as a young child and the chances are that she was handed everything on a silver platter. Odds are that she's defiant, rebellious, and generally depressed because at one point her parents told her no and did not warn her in advance about the real world or the potential for failure or hardship. Instead, they just gave in to her over and over until they could no longer afford to do so for one reason or another. Or perhaps she's bitter now because she realizes her parents were right when they did tell her to straighten up and fly right. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts program. Opinion that matters. What reminded me of this pre-Mother's Day exchange with a cashier was the fact that I went back to that same convenience store last night to gas up the bike and I noticed she wasn't there. I asked the clerk what happened to her. He shrugged and said, I don't know. I heard she went down to protest in Houston with her ex-college roommate and she might have been arrested for destruction of property or something. He said they were going to fire her anyway because she had a crappy attitude. His, of course, didn't appear much better, by the way. With no real hardships to use as a reminder or a reference point, the youth of today think that if the cable goes out during their favorite show, it's the end of the world. They have no clue as to what hardship really is. But then again, neither did I at that age. What I did have was the memory of belt set to ass when I was disrespectful or disobedient. I remember that if you didn't eat what mom put on your plate, you didn't eat. There were no participation trophies, and we didn't sue the coach, the team, the ballpark, the uniform manufacturer, and everyone else if we got scraped up, scraping a knee, playing sports. Mom and Dad didn't run down to the school and defend us when we were bad. Again, they set belt to ass right there in front of the teacher, the principal, and your classmates. That, my friends, was a lesson, a lesson you don't easily forget. That was what we hated at the moment, but are so thankful for in the present day. I went back to the convenience store last night to gas up the bike, and I noticed the girl wasn't there. So I asked the clerk what happened to her. He shrugged and said he didn't know, but he thought he heard she went down to protest in Houston with her ex-roommate from college and that she got arrested for destruction of property or something. She just simply walked off the job the other day. He said they were going to fire her anyway because she had a crappy attitude. By the way, his didn't appear much better. With no real hardships to use as a reminder, a reference point, the youth of today think that if the cable goes out during their favorite show, it's the end of the world. They have no clue as to what hardship really is. But then again, neither did I at that age. 
What I did have, however, was a stern memory, a belt set to ass when I was disrespectful or disobedient. I remember that if you don't eat what mom puts on the plate, you don't eat. There were no participation trophies. We didn't sue coaches, teams, ballparks, and uniform companies, and everyone else if we got scraped up on our knees playing sports. Mom and Dad didn't run down to the school and defend us when we were bad. They set belt to ass right there in front of the teacher, the principal, and your classmates. That, my friends, was a lesson. That was what we hated at the moment, but are so thankful for in this present day. Watching all of these misguided protesters, rioters, anarchists, looters, robbers, and arsonists out there acting like they are somehow connected to a past they never experienced is enough to make your head spin around backwards on your neck. I can fully appreciate and understand the premise behind the call for reform in police tactics, but only to a point. We were force-fed again more video the other night of a suspect in Atlanta who supposedly was only trying to sleep in his car in the parking lot of a Wendy's hamburger joint. <clears throat> now I want to analyze this for just a moment. First, he didn't get drunk in the Wendy's drive-up line. He had to have driven under the influence of alcohol. He had to have been driving while intoxicated and apparently enough to make him fall asleep at a Wendy's drive through window. So when the police were called, and again, they were called, they didn't go out hunting for this man. They were called. They gave him a breathalyzer test, which showed he was indeed driving while intoxicated. Then we were treated to the video of him resisting arrest, trying to take on two police officers. He attacks one of them, takes the officer's taser, and then turns his body slightly backwards while firing this 50,000 volt taser randomly at a police officer without training, without the proper notification, without the proper warning which police are required to give to a suspect before employing a taser. He wildly fires this 50,000 volt weapon at a police officer. They respond by shooting at him. And of course, in the split second between him turning to fire the taser at the officer and then trying to turn back to run, bullets hit him in the back. And now the police are not only fired, but charged with murder. It's ridiculous. The Atlanta attorney who only three or four months ago called the taser a lethal weapon when it was used against a criminal is now saying that the taser is not a lethal weapon, so the cops were not justified in killing this man, this criminal. They refuse to acknowledge the fact that you can indeed point a weapon behind you while running forward to escape police custody and be shot in the back. While he was turned and firing this 50,000 volt taser at the officer that he just fought. 
his father should be so proud. You are listening to Steve Zian, The Truth Hurts Program. As I said before, if I were a law enforcement officer anywhere in any of these hotspot anarchist-controlled, Democrat-run cities in America today, cities where mayors are calling for the defunding and dismantling of police departments, I think I'd be calling in sick, using up my vacation time, my personal time, my sick time, my Family Medical Leave Act time, and I think I'd be actively looking for a job elsewhere away from those cities, or perhaps completely in another field. You, my police friends, have been called out as the racist enemy by the Democrat Party, the party who just a year ago was pandering to your police unions for support in the upcoming presidential and congressional elections. They use you, they use the unions, until of course the people in those unions are of no more use to them. They've vilified you, they've tarnished your profession, belittled your resolve, eroded your patriotism, ruined your reputations, and basically reduced your station, your vocation, your occupation, and your calling to the lowest of the low. The Democrats never had your back. They never cared for you. They never really gave one single iota of crap about you as an individual American. And now they've spit directly in your face. So how do you react? Tomorrow, you'll probably get up, shower, put on your uniform, badge and gun, polish your buttons and brass, walk out to an ungrateful city knowing that tonight you might not get home alive, and knowing that Democrats are pushing the anti-cop agenda to a willing mob mentality crowd of people who would love to see you hanging from a tree or shot in the back or suffocated with a knee upon your neck, suffocated in your own blood, burnt in your own patrol car, or impaled by any number of weapons against you. You have much bigger balls than I do, I can tell you that much. They do not one for one give a iota of care to the fact that you are fathers and mothers yourselves with little ones hoping and praying that mommy or daddy will come home tonight. They don't give a shit that you have a wife or a husband or a significant other praying, hoping, knowing themselves that today could be the day you don't make it home. Yes, the Democrats used and abused you, the police, for the past month or so all while pandering to your unions for support. That is a bitter irony that would cause me tomorrow to think long and hard about who I was voting for. To my dad who died way too young in 1979, I know you're still watching over mom and your four boys. I wish you a happy Father's Day up in heaven. To my mom, who became both mom and dad back in 1979, thank you for being there to keep us boys in line. We all turned out pretty damn good. Thanks for teaching us love and humility. And to you, mom, I also wish you a happy Father's Day. To all the other dads out there, 
and to all the moms and grandmoms and granddads out there filling in the role of father or father figure. A very happy Father's Day to you as well. Oh, and to that young girl that used to work at the convenience store, I hope you can find a way to love your mom and dad, perhaps forgive them for bringing such a spoiled, entitled, unappreciative, ungrateful little shit of a person into this world. I hope that you never become a parent because you would have someone to despise you as much as you despise your own parents. Your attitude makes me weep for humanity, for it is people like you that cause me to think that your parents did, indeed, make a mistake. I'm sorry if that was hurtful, but it's the truth, and sometimes, my friends, the truth hurts. Here I go again, stirring the pot. There's always a benefit to stirring the pot, a benefit to all sides. One benefit is that you might just learn something. Another benefit is that I too might learn something. Agitators, those who carry big spoons for stirring the pot, actually make their living and get their continuous rotating 15 minutes of fame by stirring the pot. On this program, I give you my opinion. It's my constitutional right to offer my opinion, and therefore I retract nothing. When it comes to my opinion, you have several options. One, agree. It's much simpler that way. Two, disagree and keep it to yourself. Three, disagree and start your own program. Or four, turn it off and remain in the dark as to how someone with a differing point of view might just think. When all is said and done, usually much more is said than is ever done. Life is not fair, and you are owed nothing. This is the truth, and sometimes the truth hurts.